but he who troubles you will bear his judgment, whoever he is. And a little leaven that reminds, me, reminds us of the words of Christ, the leaven, putting it in, it affects the whole lump. And if you think about poison, maybe you've read the mysteries where they put in the poison. And it's always the female who puts in the poison, right? But what happens is you put in the poison, but guess what? It doesn't control who it kills. If it gives it to someone else, guess what? They're going to die. Or if the poison is in there, all, everyone dies, the poison. But, but what it occurs is the poison brings definition. And what I mean by that is that who has the truth? When there is a poison, if, if you know that someone's been poisoned, guess what? You want to find out who did it and who gave that poison. Let's define uh, who the killer is in that mystery. But the poison here is that false teaching. And it says, guess what? Because there is poison that's going to come to judgment and defining who has the truth, that person is going to be judged. And sometimes as believers, we also understand that, guess what? There are those who are living sinful, ungodly lives, and they're not being punished. In the Old Testament, very, many who are critical says, God, why aren't they being punished? These people who are, are allowed to get away with everything. And, and as believers, as Christians, we look around and see, why are the ungodly prospering? But the word of God is faithful and says that someday they will be punished. And God is patient. And if anything, we should be grateful too because in his long suffering, in his patience, it allows for the heart of hearts to receive the gospel. And think about ourselves. There are things that occur in our lives that he knows us so well to bring us back to him. Some of you are more stubborn than others. Some of you, maybe as young people, were very stubborn and you had patience and you had parents who were patient with you. Some, you probably drove your parents crazy and they lost their patience. And you wonder, how come my younger brother or sister gets away with everything? It's because you spoiled them, okay? But what occurs is that the truth, and here Paul explains, and he, as he says, what takes place is that the world seems to get away with everything, but someday they will be judged. Someday they will be judged. And Paul here expresses and says, guess what? This individual will be judged. And in verse 10, he says, I have confidence that um, he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. It also says in another version, it says, I have confidence in the Lord. You will not accept any other view, but whoever it is that is confusing you will pay the penalty. They are going to receive the punishment. Those who turn those believers away will face a greater punishment. There's a greater accountability. Those false teachers. And so it's important to understand that. But as we go down to verse 11 and 12, it says, And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I would wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. And in other versions, it's kind of trying to look at that, is it, is it a play in words where it says literally cut off, be castrated, or be cut off from the, from the people? And Paul brings the defense here where he states and says, what is the truth? I want you to understand, Paul was not an advocate of circumcision as necessary for salvation. Paul says, I was not one who is promoting circumcision. They are twisting and distorting our words. And I don't know if you've ever been in that situation, but I'm, I think of the political campaigns 
oh my goodness, you can't watch any TV or think about anything. Who said, she said, they said, he said. It sounds like a, a Dr. Seuss book. You know, and, and sometimes it's about the same because they don't make sense or nonsensical words. But what occurs is, oh, he said, she said, they said, what is the truth? And Paul says, this is the truth, what I say. These are my words. And I was not an advocate of circumcision for salvation. In fact, he has harsh words for those. They should be cut themselves off or cut off, which troubles you. I wish they were cut off so you would be cut off. And... Uh, he says, you, it has to be removed. And this is also a reminder to us because whenever there is false teaching, whenever there is something that is not a benefit to you spiritually, it comes to the point in your life where you have to cut them off. Sometimes we hold on with a hope, but there comes a time in our life, especially when it comes to false teaching, one who is deliberately trying to cause problems in your life, you have to cut them off. doesn't matter if they're a family. doesn't matter if they're a friend. Sometimes there may be financial benefit, but it comes a time where you have to cut them off. And it's hard for us because sometimes we feel obligated, both emotionally, maybe familial. But Paul says you need to cut them off because what is the truth? And they are deceiving you. And it's important for you to remember that. And those maybe you've been cut off by another one for a reason. Maybe it's a good reason. But here, Paul says, you know what, this is the defense. It was not I. These individuals are falsely accusing me. So it arrives at the point is, what is the truth? What is the truth? What will you believe? You have to stand up for what you believe. And Paul brings this defense and tells them that it is salvation. Think about the cross, what has occurred. Far removed from the first century, but understanding from the time of Christ. The cross of Christ, why Jesus came historically. It is not because of acts or works which you have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us by the washing of regeneration, renewing the Holy Ghost, the evidence of the Holy Ghost. And the last thing we see here is the, in verse 13 through 50, the prescription that brings deliverance. And it says here, For you were called to be free, brothers. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the entire law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you will be consumed by one another. And then it goes into, it's talking as Paul goes into the next part of this argument about the spirit versus the flesh. The work of the Holy Spirit, live by the Holy Spirit. This prescription, the reminder of truth. Remember, he had taught the Galatians. He explains to them and tells them, remember your calling to salvation, salvation by faith alone. Many of those who he had interacted with and shared with them. There's that endearing quality, but he also says it's important that we remember that it's not just following the person, but the truth that he gave. The truth that he gave, your calling to salvation, freedom in Christ brings out love toward our neighbors and others. And he says, as an evidence, have I been one? And if you look back in the past chapters, the character of Paul, and that is why your testimony for Christ is such an important part of your life, because in one moment, it can affect your testimony before others. And that's what Satan continually tries to attack the believer because if he can get the believer to fall and what often happens is that individual who has a higher position before others 
when they fall into sin, when they um, do something that is morally wrong, then all of a sudden, oh, see, all believers, it is categorized by others as all believers are like that. But here, there are people within your sphere of influence that you will impact, and you can genuinely show them that your testimony for Christ is different. And doctrinally, specifically here, that salvation is by faith, and you live your life not because you have to live a rigid way for salvation, but because you love Christ. A passionate love is much greater because of the faith you have placed in Jesus Christ. And so, while it's not a, having to prove yourself, maybe you have a family member, maybe you have a friend, or maybe you had a teacher, someone who you're trying to prove your love over again. Someone says, oh, you don't love me. Oh, let me show you. I'll give you gifts. I'll do this work. I'll mow your yard. I'll do this. And constantly, people are trying to prove their love to other people. But what is a greater love is a love that is demonstrated because of what has been done for you. And here, sometimes if you think about the sacrificial love, maybe for the country or for uh, a mother shows toward her child, sometimes expecting nothing in return. But we don't even have a concrete picture, humanly speaking. We only have the personal work of Jesus Christ coming, who didn't have to, to die on the cross to forgive our sins and then raising again on the third day so that we might have eternal life, a relationship with a holy God. And yet he still loves us when we constantly sin, when we turn away from him, when we live inconsistent lives. And here, that faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul says, the contrast, look, Judaizers, you're trying to earn this, earn a faith, if you will, through, through the love that you show. But faith comes when you have faith in Jesus Christ, when you understand the mercy and grace of what Jesus Christ has done for you and that you can really never pay that back, that brings a peace of knowing that today were your last, you would be in heaven. It brings a peace of knowing that while you will never measure up to God, Jesus Christ has saved you and through his work has enabled so that you can have a personal relationship with the Holy God, that your eternal future is in God's hands. And that faith brings both a joy and a peace, but also it brings a happiness of knowing that you can live for him. You can please God through your acts of love that demonstrates that, guess what? God is real. A real picture of forgiveness when we sin. God, do you still love me? He does love you and wants you to confess your sins and forgive your sins. While humanly speaking, we don't want to forgive the person. We want them to grovel. Oh, maybe I'll forgive you. Maybe if you do this and this, if you make chocolate chip cookies for me, I'll forgive you. If you, you do this and, uh, you know, these um, errands for me, I'll think about forgiving you. You know, hey, we think of that as a great tool to utilize. But God is not like that. And when we understand that relationship, it brings security. Because humanly speaking, we don't have that. There's always a doubt, there's always a fear that something could cause separation in our human relationships, whether it be a parent, whether it be a husband and wife, whether it be a friend. There's always that element where, guess what, something could occur that could affect this relationship. Tomorrow, something could happen in the company, and all of a sudden, you're not working there anymore. You've lost all your inventory. But yet in Christ, there is that security. 
And that's what Paul is trying to express is that circumcision, that physical act, while you're trying to do that, guess what? You can earn, you can try to work your way, earn these acts, but that will not give you the security, that peace of knowing that your relationship with Christ is not based upon anything you do, but contrast it with what God does and who he is. And because of that, that allows you a freedom to love toward your neighbors, love toward others, express that. While you may make mistakes, while you may cause problems, it's okay because Christ has forgiven you and you can still pick yourself up and still love in a way that Christ loves. The words of Christ remind us that these Judaizers and sinners live bound by laws that they've created and are contrary to God's grace. They're literally slaves to the sin and to their own acts. But in Christ, there's freedom and peace. So just to express to you this morning, don't place yourselves under the bondage of other false beliefs of how to earn salvation. Because that's what the world is doing. They're always looking for a system or a way to believe. But that will never bring them peace, even in themselves, true peace. True freedom is found in the cross of Jesus Christ, and that salvation provides true freedom to demonstrate Christ's love to others. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, the contrast between your grace and our works is astounding. And salvation is found in no other name. And while humanly speaking, sometimes we lose sight of, of what you have done for us. Father, our desire is to glorify you. But sometimes we get in the way. Sometimes you give us abilities and talents that seem to overshine. Sometimes you give us uh, weaknesses, humanly speaking, that we have. And then we think, oh, I can't overcome my weaknesses because I'll never do anything for God. But yet God has placed us in the circumstances. He has placed us in the positions in our lives that are adequate and specifically so that we can honor and glorify God in whatever plans you have for us. So whether it be in persecution, whether it be in blessing, whether it be in difficulty, whether it be in, in ease, Father, we can show love toward others. And while our natural human desires are going to be contrary to you, help us to be reminded that by our works of love, it's not out of duty, but out of love, out of gratitude. And that's why when we reflect and meditate upon who you are and what you have done for us, as we even think about November and going into Thanksgiving, Father, help us be a thankful people. First of all, we are thankful that you brought salvation beyond the Jewish nation, that you brought it to the Gentiles, and you brought it to us individually, that we have the opportunity to confess our sins, to place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, to know you personally. God, your word that you have given us to know you, to know about you, the plan that you have for the future. And God, that you love us unconditionally. Nowhere have we ever seen a picture of that, humanly speaking. But yet, you allow us to humbly receive that gift. And God, help us to re be reminded by when we, when we humbly receive through faith what you have done, that you died on the cross, that you have forgiven our sins, 
you have placed us into the family of God and that we, we can be called by your children. As Paul spoke earlier, Abba, Father, to have a new relationship, one that is secure, one that we don't have to keep earning. But yet, when we see all that you have done for us, help us to be reminded that our time is short and that we can live for you. And how can we glorify you in all that we do and all that we say? How can we be mindful? May our heart through the Holy Spirit be sensitive to your leading, directing. And I pray that we would be reminded that salvation is through faith alone, not by works which we have done. And so God, help us to communicate to those around us because that great love that you have shown toward us, help us to gently share that with those who do not know you as our personal Savior, who are trying to work through acts to earn favor with you. But Lord, you are mighty to save. And for that, we are grateful. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And I would encourage you today to enter into that relationship and to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ.